general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch & Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday in the studio. I'm Tom King. We are joined on location today by Merle Kelch, Kelch & Associates in Wausau. Good morning, sir. Well, good morning, Tom. Good morning, everybody. It is cold. You are in the north. You are in the Northwoods today. <laughs> we are, and uh, um, you know, Tom, we were talking about before, but I got up this morning and I looked at the thermometer at, here at, as you call it, the palatial estate. I call it the trailer in the woods. It was minus eighteen. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, it was. It was cold. You are one of those people that <clears throat> I guess sort of embraces winter, though. You do all the winter stuff: snowmobiling, ice fishing, all of that. Uh, all of that fun stuff that we do. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be caught dead ice fishing. I, I know there are a lot of people that like it. I've just never seen the uh, seen the uh, thrill of, of sitting, even in a, even in a heated shack. Uh, you still have to go outside once in a while, and you still have to stick your hands in the icy water to pull up whatever fish you catch. And sometimes you don't catch anything, right? Well, Tom, the beautiful thing about this is ice fishing and snowmobiling and that whole bit, like so many other things, are in our great state of Wisconsin. Are are just an activity to do while you're socializing and having a beverage. I see. All uh, right. Well, and, uh, yeah, and, yeah. It might be the same thing. We'll find out. Uh, we start in about two hours, matter of fact. Uh, our ice fishing event uh, annual starts uh, today. What about the uh, the weather that that moved through the area this week, the heavy winter storm? I had a 2,000-mile uh, storm that stretched across most of the United States. We've been seeing yeah. you know weird weather. We've been seeing uh, uh, you know outside-the-norm weather events. Um, as a business, when you're looking at businesses that are set up to deal with situations like that, I would imagine that's going to be, become part of the thinking, isn't it? That, uh, not only do you have to deal with supply chain issues and all the other problems of a business, but, uh, being able to handle, uh, extreme weather is going to be one of the things, right? Well, you know, I, I think it's going to be, um, you know, we got stuck, uh, my wife and I, for our anniversary last year, we went down to Texas and we got hit with the ice storms and everything in. And our three-day-long weekend turned into eight days in Texas last year because we got stuck. We couldn't get out. And interestingly enough, is uh, it went through again and uh, hit another time. And so um, my uh, lovely bride does uh, insurance work. So she's a um, – oh, geez, I'm trying to think of the term. Is it? She's a specialist for water and mold mitigation. And, and so that being the case then, when they start having water and mold and all that kind of stuff and damage in buildings, they need a specialist to make sure it's right and the estimates are done right. So that's the job she does. So that being the case, everyone, she just got a uh, text last night. Um, uh, she read this morning and saying, you be prepared because uh, Texas lost power. Um, so they're having the same issues we had a year ago, and that took um, her firm um, almost eight months to get caught up on all the claims uh, that are going out. And it appears as though it's going to happen all over again, except a much broader swath that's gone through with all the ice. So, you know, for uh, a, a person who's, you know, young and looking to start a business, and if you're handy, um, boy, doing the, the work and the mitigation and doing all the rebuilding of that stuff is just uh, going to be uh, amazing. The unfortunate part for people who are you know, going to build a house or waiting to build a house in the next year, it looks like the prices of the commodities and goods are going to be as high as they were a year ago or two years ago um, uh, as a result of that. And, of course, the government in Texas promised people that it wouldn't happen again, and, uh, and then here we go. But 
Um, what does this mean for insurance companies as far as uh, their, you know, portfolios, their business models, uh, looking at an insurance company as a possible investment, obviously not a good thing for insurance companies if they're going to start getting hammered by this stuff on a regular basis. Um, yeah, well, what's going to happen from an insurance company standpoint is they're obviously going to adjust the rates. You know, So uh, remember what insurance companies do is they simply spread that risk out, not only between uh, to themselves with re- and that whole bit, but also with reinsurance and other companies as well. So if an insurance company says we're going to insure that $100,000 risk, they're going to take that risk and they're going to spread it out to other reinsurance companies and companies as well so that if one insurance company gets it really hard, they can spread that risk out through the industry based upon how they do it. Um, but you're going to eventually find, in my opinion, is that there's going to be some sort of a um, standards that they're going to put down, let's say, in Texas um, that have to be done, um, or otherwise your insurance rates are going to go up. When we were down there, Tom, uh, last year, we were sitting inside of a Denny's. We were talking to one of the, uh, the managers. Um, and so uh, he was in there, uh, you know, being a waiter and that whole bit because they couldn't get any people to work, but they actually happened to had the ability to open. And with that, he said, I grew up in the north, and he said, so when we built our house, um, I told the contractors I don't want the water going through the ceilings anymore. He said, I want the water to come underneath um, so we can heat it, and they thought we were crazy, but we built it like a house in the north. And he said, then my wife uh, was just absolutely aghast that I spent $10,000 and put a generator in the house in case the power went out. And he said, now my wife loves me and all of our neighbors love us, too, because everybody's at our house. And, and so I think what's going to happen is we're going to end up seeing some of those types of building standards that we have in the north coming, happening down there. Um, or you might have insurance companies requesting and saying, you know, well, if you want us to insure you, um, if you have uh, your, your waters and your pipes going through the ceilings like they do down there, um, uh, we're not going to insure you or there's going to be an additional rate. I think we're going to probably see some of that sort of stuff happening on new builds. You know, even when Texas said we're not going to have this problem again, uh, one year wasn't enough time to solve the issues they have. Uh, so many places in Texas, they have all their water lines and their stuff, as we put them underground in Wisconsin, uh, they have them sitting above. And so if you're having freezing temperatures, all your water means are all sitting above ground. Uh, well, I think the government uh, probably figured this was a once in a, you know, 10-year, 20-year thing, but with yeah, climate, yeah. with climate change the way it's happening as quickly as it is, uh, this is going to become a regular thing now. In, in well, places like Texas. Sure. And, and it could be. I mean, that's where the, the storms go through and uh, it appears to be the belt at this point in time. So, um, though, you know, climate change is changing. I, there's no doubt about that. Which direction it's going, we'll let somebody else argue about that part of it. But um, it's interesting to me that it's colder down there where it's supposed to be warmer and it's colder up here. Isn't it supposed to be warming? And well, we'll let somebody debate that part. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. 715-845-2155. That I'm going to call here. If you have a question from Earl, give us a call. Hey, the market had a good day yesterday, best day of the month so far, and a great yep. jobs report, which surprised some people. And it, it always fascinates me that we get these, these previews of all of these labor statistics and these government reports. Economists are predicting blah, 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 blah. And then afterwards, when the economists, uh, and the uh, and the predictions are wrong. Um, it just seems to me that why don't we just let the reports speak for themselves and the stats speak for themselves? Because now all of a sudden you've got maybe people that reacted to what was supposed to be a down jobs report before it came out turned out to be a great jobs report, and uh, and now all of a sudden, yeah, you know, people got to flip what the what they were the way they were thinking about it. It always does. But what I kind of find interesting is yesterday in the morning when the jobs report came out. Uh, it was a pretty good jobs report, and the market dropped off. And so I had somebody say, well, why did the stock market go down if the jobs report was good? I said, because remember, the stock market is trying to look ahead. 
And if the jobs report is really good, that means the economy is growing, and that means we have might have to increase interest rates more than we need to. And so as a result, of like, damn it, the economy is good. Um, so uh, we, we, we're probably going to have to increase interest rates to slow it down to stop inflation. So the market dropped off. And then finally the smart money goes, ah, okay, things are looking good. Let's uh, start throwing some cash back in the stock market and drove it forward. So it's interesting how that always happens uh, during turmoil. It always seems like good is bad, bad is good. How do you react to the, the, the folks that, that uh, invest that way back and forth, day to day, hour to hour? I mean, you're not one of those guys, and you don't no. advise people to do it that way. So how do you react to those guys that do it that way and, and how they affect the market, like you just said? Um, you you got to be unhappy with that situation uh, as far as uh, for you and, and your clients when these are the guys that can make uh, market swings like that. You know, what's what's interesting to me is one of the things that I do, and for me, you know, part of the big part of my job is I feel like I'm a, a counselor to a certain degree. And because of that, uh, you know, we're, we're literally trying to make sure people aren't jumping off the edge. So we had, uh, you know, clients calling this past week and say, well, this particular part of our portfolio was down, you know, 16%. So we want to sell that one fund. Is it now we're going to leave it there? Um, we said, well, it's going down. I said, no, that's probably just on sale. You know, don't worry about it. There's nothing wrong with the fund family. It's okay. And uh, uh, so you try to teach people to say, typically what happens is that your first reaction is going to be wrong. And so if you're going out there and saying, oh, my God, it's terrible. we got to sell, that's probably wrong. Because if you step back, step back and say, okay, what's the reason we would sell? Well, in case there's something wrong with the investment, the whole world's falling apart and we have to get rid of it, we don't see any foresight of the market or the economy growing. As we look at it, well, okay, is that wrong? It, it's probably wrong. And so then we look at it and say, okay, so what should we do if the market just dropped? Well, usually if you have some cash, you say, well, let's put some in because now it just went on sale. And it's that, that first reaction is usually wrong. And, and so as a result of that, um, it's the biggest thing we have to do is just the people to not jump off and try to get emotional with money. It's the most difficult thing in the world, I understand. Myself as well, I get emotional with it. Um, but it's the biggest thing is just to not be emotional and, and make that knee-jerk reaction. That's totally different than when I took tests in school. I always went with my first reaction. I thought my first reaction would be right. And you're saying in, in this situation, that's not the thing to do to avoid. avoid not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, if you have a baseball coming at your face, your first reaction is probably a good one. <laughs> Um, but inside of the financial marketplace, um, it seems to be uh, the wrong one in many cases. So what if, you want to knee-jerk and you want to be defensive, but um, you have to look at the, the math and the statistics and the long-term picture to try to make a decision on what you're doing today. So what do clients tell you when you tell them not to be emotional about their men, their money? It's easy for you to say, right? Is that what the reaction well, you get? Well, it's easy for me to say, but you just have to step back and do a little bit of education. And hopefully we're seeing that same thing happen. You know, um, I've heard a lot of fear-mongering going out there from advisors, you know, trying to sell clients stuff and say, oh, my God, look, this is going to fall apart. You need to take all of your money from this investment and move it over here. And, and you just don't have to do that. Um, you know, just take your time and look at it. You're going to have the knee-jerk reactions in the marketplace. Um, you know, if we go look back two or three weeks ago, everybody I, I, I said, you know, everybody who's listening to Tom, I said we're going to see the market jumping around all over the place, going crazy for the next few weeks until we get a little bit of clarity from the Federal Reserve, which happened last week. So, so, so with it then, we'll see the market kind of level itself out as the market tries to predict and then build in what's going to happen with interest rates. And, of course, the rising interest rates are there to combat inflation. Um, and so we're starting to see that and sort of see the marketplace now have more predictable types of moves. 
marketplace drops off in the morning, for example, as we saw yesterday, um, and then we saw cash just sitting on the sidelines go into the marketplace and drive it right back up again because people are seeing it on sale and going in and buying the stuff when it's low. So we just need to prepare ourselves and think about that stuff. And as advisors in this industry, um, I'm sorry, financial professionals, um, <laughs> is to uh, you know teach your clients to not be emotional about money, but just to look at the, the forward picture. All right, 715-845-2155. We need to take a break here. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Chris Domine is a husband and a father. Miles per hour. The updates you need all winter long. King Kong ain't got nothing on me. Central Wisconsin's News Talk and Weather Station, WSAU. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King. Merle Kelch is on location today. 715-845-2155 is the number to call if you have a question for Merle. One of the things I think that annoyed some people this week, Merle, was that the uh, story that came out earlier this week that uh, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos uh, increased his personal wealth by some, I don't know, it was billions of dollars. And on the same day, the announcement came that Amazon was Amazon Prime was raising their prices on everybody uh, for the year. Uh, it's stuff like that that, 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 that that really annoys people. I love the number of the articles you know, saying that uh... – you know, he did it in region, so he, he, he didn't do it. I mean, his board of directors did, but um, he certainly uh, made some money along the way, there's no doubt. Um, and I think it was pretty much the same day, too. It was insane that they're... It was the same day, yeah, yeah. The bridge removed yeah. so he can get his yacht through, too. Right, right. Yeah, that's some good PR there, too, as well. But uh, and the other, the other, of course, big uh, social media company that had a, a weird week was, was Facebook, or Meta, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. Their stock took a huge hit, and I think Mark Zuckerberg lost like some two hundred and sixty billion dollars in personal wealth. We can argue whether or not having that much wealth in so few hands is a good thing or not for for society. But um, Facebook took that huge hit. Zuckerberg says it's because of uh, the rise of things like TikTok and other competing social media um, services. So, what does that mean for Meta or Facebook going forward? Then, if in fact uh, they can take those kind of hits in a marketplace during a week. You know, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Tom. Um, you know, what's kind of interesting to me is, is Tom, you remember uh, uh, the site My, MySpace? Yes. Yeah, many people don't either. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, there's always an ebb and flow in this type of an industry. And, and remember, we first talked about Facebook a long time ago and said, well, how are they going to make money? And so then they switched everything over so it works on our phones um, in ad revenue. Well, in here, um, it went to ad revenue, and then they started putting so much, in my opinion, um, news in here, and, and whether we agree or disagree with the news, um, but a lot of the news wasn't accurate or correct, and they didn't make sure that the information was accurate, in my opinion, um, on either side of the fence politically, and I'm not trying to make a point of that. I'm just trying to make a point of the fact that a lot of people got tired of them. And so as a result of that, um, uh, we're seeing that along with Omicron and some companies just aren't advertising. So their avenue, their advertising revenue just dropped off quite a bit. <clears throat> What's interesting about this is we look at Google, who, of course, also does advertising revenue through 
I'm sorry, I should say Alphabet uh, through Google, um, uh, they did just fine. So, um, so it could be that there's just a popularity issue that Facebook is having, and they've got to reinvent themselves and make it more in tune with people want to see and what they want to do. Um, so we'll see how it, it goes forward, but uh, this tremendous amount of profit that they made in a long time, it, it may be slowing at this point in time. Still profitable? Yes. And it still remain profitable. Uh, but it might be changing unless they can change themselves. They may have just simply matured as a company and want to redirect that. Um, but, boy, what a hit that was down. At, was I think it was 20% at one point in time yesterday they were down, if I remember right. Yeah, I mean, the day before, actually, but yeah, yeah, it just uh, it was a big hit, not only for Zuckerberg personally, but for the company. Uh, And the other thing we've talked about in the past is when you have a company that's as established as, say, an Apple, uh, they always have to come up with something new. And, you know, normally in the last few years, they've the new iPhones would come out, the new iPads would come out and they were all ultra expensive. Uh, more expensive than the last version. Now I saw a story where they're com- they're talking about putting t- putting together a cheaper iPhone and a cheaper iPad for folks that maybe can't afford the uh, the uh, top end models. Uh, that certainly is a is a change for Apple, isn't it? And uh, I would think that uh, certainly when they look at uh, another share of the market that they could tap into, maybe the people that buy. Uh, the other brands or their com- competitors because of price, uh, that would be something good for the company, wouldn't it? Um, I don't think it's going to be a bad idea as well. I think they have to brand itself to make sure that they're making it so that um, they're not putting it on sale. And that's one of the biggest things that they want, always wanted to do is to not have their product on sale, um, but to have a product that's uh, uh, built for a particular purpose. You know, I've had the conversation in the past, and, and, uh, uh, and, and I still believe it too. You know, my iPhone does more stuff than I know what it does. I mean, it just does. I mean, it just does all kinds of crazy stuff and right. amazing things, um, and a whole bunch of it I don't, I don't need. Um, and I have um, friends of mine um, who are in the '80s, and he said, "I can't figure the phone out." He said, "I just want to make a phone call. I can't even figure out how to do that on this thing, you know." And so, so maybe they come back to and they they just simply uh, have some sort of marketing in, in all companies. Those are the it's people that need phone. to buy those those phones with the big buttons on them, uh, you know, the, that only do one thing, and that's make phone calls. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking for a, a phone right now that's about the size of an iPad, so I can see the button, so I can you know, see it with glasses off, you know. But but um, so I think there's a there's going to be a market coming with that, and so obviously with having all the less of the stuff, uh, you know, the, the features on the inside, you can have less of a cost, and I think that brings you back into that marketplace, whether you call it, uh, you know, a basics or whatever the case may be. But I think there's a whole whole marketplace sitting out there for for that um you know you know i've talked to told the story before but my mom you know for the longest time she wouldn't use a text on her phone simply because she said if somebody doesn't want to call me um then i don't want to talk to them well now my mom had uh coming up on 82 years old um she uh she doesn't make any phone calls anymore everybody gives a text and just pictures of text pictures of things uh, which is fantastic that's great but there's a, a lot of people that um haven't even jumped to that yet doing the text and so they don't need to have that but if they just had an iPhone, that would have simplistic, you know, either simplistic text or just made a, a nice phone call and made it easy. Um, I think there would be a, a real nice market for them for that. 715-845-2155 is the number to call here. It's uh, 8.30. I'll tell you what, we need to take a break. All of our own. He's incompetent. He's slow. Biden might have been a moderate. And it went as well as you'd expect. He's now their sacrificial lamb. The rest of the world's laughing at him. Scary that he's in charge of the country. And I think it's going to be a bloodbath next November. The conversation continues. The noose is tightening around the neck of the American people. On WSAU. 
And we are back here in the studio. I'm Tom King and joined today by Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. 715-845-2155 is the number to call here if you have a question for Merle. What else is on your plate? What have you been hearing from your clients regarding the ups and downs of the market here in the last few weeks? Well, I, I got a couple things in here. And, and one, folks, I'm having a, a really difficult time. So I have an article that's here. And Tom, if you're a market watch and you see it, it says, uh, you know, peak uh, growth code, blah, 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 is the article. If you, you see the... Uh, author up there if you can cite that for me. Um, folks, my iPad um, is literally dying on the show right now as we speak. So I'm having a hard time getting in, but I put my notes on for the article, so at least we're good to go on this. So so in here, inside of the article that we have, um, and, and it's, a, it's not a big article, but I think it's really good because they talk about some stuff that um, I think is pretty important, which kind of comes into the question you have. What are clients talking about? And, and again, the volatility we're seeing is because the market's trying to define um, what the market and the economy is going to be in, you know, in three months and six months and a year and two years is trying to define to find that. And, and so with it, the article goes and it talks about three things that are peaking at the same time, which might be beneficial for all of us. One of them is um, it looks like COVID's peak, uh, peaking. So inside of the article, they chat about um, going forward and, and looking at what's happening inside of South Africa and Great Britain. They were the ones that got hit the earliest with Omicron. And as a result of it, where they're starting to see not only their deaths going down, but their caseload and everything is starting to drop. Um, and, it, and it looks like we uh, are heading that direction here in the U.S. too. And so um, with Omicron, of course, people are going to start getting back. Um, record month in January, by the way, the people being off of work because of being sick. Um, and uh, largely we're looking at it as a result, certainly, of, uh, because of Omicron. And so with that getting better, of course, um, um, means we have more people getting back to work in our production and our output as a society or GDP should continue to uh, keep uh, rolling positively. The other thing they're talking about is economic growth is slowing. And we might look at that and go, well, isn't that bad? Well, well, uh, you know, we don't want it to necessarily stop growing. Um, but the pace that we were at throughout the course of the last, say, uh, you know, 12, 16 months, uh, the pace of the economy going up like that, um, isn't normal, and that's part of this whole grand project that we did in shutting the economy off, not knowing what was going to happen in the pandemic, and then turning it back on and getting people back to work. And so the acceleration that we were going seems to be peaking and slowing down to some sort of a normalized rates, where most of the modern world right now is actually, um, quite honestly, above uh, or at where it was pre-pandemic from a GDP standpoint. And of course, that's gross domestic product, all of our sales and production, that kind of stuff in the country. And, and so with that being the case, we're starting to see things level off, which is a good thing because now we're having some normalcy. Um, and as part of that normalcy, because we're not having the acceleration, is what's called excess capacity. Now, it sounds like I'm getting heavy on words here, Tom, but this is going to make a lot of sense here in a second. I promise you. You're not okay. laughing. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> but, so what happens you always get start, to it eventually, right? I always get there. So so in here, um, as the economy start leveling off, we're not having that acceleration of growth in the economy and where you level off, we start creating some excess capacity. And we're seeing that happen inside of China. We're seeing it happen inside of Europe. What that means, Tom, is that we have the ability for them to build more widgets for our uh, machines and our cars and our chips and whatever the case may be with that excess capacity helps slow down inflation. And, and we're starting to see that starting to open up. And then largely um, uh, what they're talking about is is, is the reduction of inflation. Now, we don't see inflation necessarily dropping, certainly not in our, our pocketbooks, but that excess capacity is dropping in inflation. We're starting to see some things uh, dip a little bit in price. And so um, hopefully all that starts coming back together 
um, in a rising interest rate environment that we might have, we see the economy slow down and we start sucking up all this cash that's out there and, and lowering down the cash um, and lowering inflation as well. So one of my favorite economists, which we've talk, I talk about all the time, is uh, Brian Westbury. It's out of his article we had this past week. Uh, he said the future marketplace have already put in five quarter-point increases uh, in uh, interest rates throughout the course of this next year. And at the same time, uh, the Federal Reserve wants to sell its longer-term bonds that it has. No, not the ones that they've held the longest, but the ones that mature the furthest out. Um, and in preparation of doing so, they're hoping it doesn't invert the yield curve. And so, um, folks, uh, an inverted yield curve points to a recessionary event, and we don't have that right now. And uh, we don't want to have interest rates go up so fast, so quick, that it inverts it and points that we're going to have a recessionary event. Now, yield curve. Let me back up so that is because it's kind of important. So in here, yield curves, you measure the, the interest rate that the Federal Reserve has, whether you're looking at their 30-day treasuries or you're looking at uh, you know 90s or one-year, two-year, fives, tens going out. The interest rates today should be lower than the interest rates in 10 years. Um, and if it inverts that the interest rates today are higher than in 10 years, it's called an inverted yield curve. It typically points to a recessionary event, and we just don't have that. Um, uh, you know, one of the big things happening yesterday is that the long-term yield was going up, um, as it's supposed to be when things change. Uh, and the unfortunate part of that is also tends to slow down your mortgages and houses and all that kind of thing, too. So um, it all appears to be going in the right direction, but it also means a lot of volatility in the stock market, as we've all seen over the course of the last uh, three, four weeks. All right, let's go to the phone here this morning. Uh, good morning. Who am I talking to? Steve. Steve, you're on with Merle. Go ahead. Morning, Steve. Hey, good morning. Uh, I just heard on the news that was uh, we went from seven fifty thousand deaths from the uh, coronavirus and uh, probably nine hundred thousand, probably a million by now. So many a week or so many a day. And I was I'm an elderly person and I have a mm -hmm. like a four hundred one k in life insurance and things like that. Mm -hmm. And well, and I'm figuring a lot of people, these 900,000, a lot of more older people, I'm sure. Is there any statistics of what kind of, uh, was there 250,000 that might have died that had estates and, and their children would be like in the 50-year-old, 50, 55-year-old bracket where they all that money would have funneled, funneled into those accounts or to those children's, uh, they would get it as a uh, being a beneficiary. Why wouldn't that support the car market, for instance, all this un unfound money? Well, what's interesting, Steve, is, is you're hitting upon a phenomenon that's, uh, that's happening right now, and that is um, as the baby boomers are getting older and, of course, you know, passing away, life happens that way, um, it is also tending to drive cash and a move into cash. And the cash is going from one generation dropping down to the next. Now, um, as a result of that, then, we're seeing stuff like exactly like that, not only the amount of cash and stimulus that happened and the amount of savings that we did when we were locked down with the pandemic and everybody was home, we weren't spending as much, um, but then with that higher generation or that older generation passing off and the, the money coming back down again, we're seeing that money going in and buying cars. Look at the price of cars. Uh, one of the unfortunate parts is we can build the cars, we just don't have the chips to make them work right right now. And so that's <laughs> one of the things we're having inside of the, the marketplace. Um, Ford just announced, Steve, um, that it's expecting to have chip shortages and, and problems with being able to build as many cars as they want to because they don't have the, the computer chips to be able to make them run right. And they're expecting that going on until third quarter of 22. 
And so um, on that, um, I think the money from those that have passed and going to the beneficiaries is certainly adding into the, the purchasing power in cars in particular. Um, they just don't have any to buy right now because they're still trying to build the stuff. But um, I don't remember what the, the, the money is, but it's, it's trillions of dollars that are going from the baby boomers down to the next generation over the course of the next 10, 15 years. All right, thanks, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. And I suppose the car companies um, know that the consumers will not uh, buy cars that don't have all of the bells and whistles when it comes to computers oh, sure. and, and, and GPS and all that. So uh, they need the chips. They can't build the cars like they did in the old days without the chips because people won't buy them, right? Um, you, you, look, I mean, look at every car that's out there, Tom. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. As uh, some time ago, my son hopped into a, an old truck they used to have, and I, I don't have the truck anymore. And he looks at the door and he goes, "What's that?" I'm like, "That's your window crank." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't know what it was. I, I don't even know if there's a car out there anymore that doesn't have electric windows anymore. Or no. using using your your fingers that. to pull the lock up and down on on the door, all of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh my God, that's terrible. Yeah. You have to put a key and unlock it. <laughs> um, you know, but. It, I don't think that's. I don't think a lot of that stuff is there. And, and as the car companies are, of course, building vehicles to uh, um, to address to you know coming up into the people sitting in their you know forties and fifties buying the cars versus um, you know the generation ahead of time that might have been in the uh, you know sixties or maybe seventies and eighties as far as age. Um, so it's 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 kind of interesting to see how that stuff changes. Of course, the car markets, like everything else, tries to uh, adjust to what their company's demand, com, uh, customers' demands are. All right, we need to take a break here one more time, and then we'll come back. If you have a question from Earl, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Now, this day, here's Chris Conley. This rock and roll band, memorable. I'm Chris Conley. Considering an online pharmacy? Explore BeSafeRx to find useful information and resources to help you purchase medicines safely online. A safe online pharmacy requires a doctor's prescription, has an address in the United States, has a licensed pharmacist, and is licensed by a state pharmacy board. It's best to stay away from online pharmacies that don't meet these criteria. Discover more helpful tips and resources at BeSafeRx. Go to FDA.gov slash BeSafeRx. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelchin Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. All right, we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates, joining us here this morning. Uh, folks ha- have their W-2s and have all their tax information now. They'll be visiting their tax preparer or their accountant to get their taxes done. From your perspective, what do they need to discuss with their tax people at this time of year as far as their portfolio goes, or is it is that stuff all taken care of already? You know what's interesting? As far as a portfolio goes, uh, the biggest thing a person should be looking at is some of the capital gain distributions you had. Um, but but on this, let me uh, 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 touch base on one thing. Um, so I had to look through my phone, and so I just wanted to uh, touch base on the 
article we talked about before. I want to make sure I cite this properly so our compliance people are happy. Um, it was an article by Steve Goldstein said, peak everything, growth, inflation, COVID um, may, means, may soon mean calmer markets ahead, economists say. So we got that in there. What I thought was interesting, Tom, is as we're getting ready to go, not only everybody else, but um, uh, for taxes, and we started getting uh, stuff that says, for your information only, and had the $1,400 COBA, uh, stimulus check in the statement. And this is say we have to do anything with it, but I thought I found it to be pretty interesting. Um, if this was a stimulus check and it didn't matter, why would we be getting a, a paper for our taxes that says we got $1,400 in stimulus in a, a letter from the IRS? I thought that was kind of odd. I don't know where there was a reason. Right. There was a reason stated on that piece of paper. I got that in the mail this week as well. Did, did you? I, must, yeah, you, I must have missed it. You don't have to put it on. You don't have to put it on your tax form, though. Yeah. So. Um, but I, I just found that interesting to me um, uh, that we got that. So uh, we'll see. But the biggest things, folks, that I would look at is is this right now, is that you're getting your taxes and you're getting your investment statements. Investment statements probably coming over the course of the next few weeks. Um, but as you get a look at the amount of capital gains that you have and, and see how it's affecting your taxes. Um, because capital gains right now with the income um, might be that if you're close to that you know, 64, 65,000 range, and, um, and getting the affordable health care uh, as far as a reduction of cost, that those capital gain distributions might be that thing that jumps you over the top that you now have to you know, pay the, uh, the $10,000, dollars back that you're getting for a discount. Um, and so with that, we've done some things in our office, and it works out exceptionally well. And I'm not telling you to run out and do this as a cure-all, but for a number of clients, we're able to shift some money over to other investments that defers and hides that type of capital gains using um, annuity types of products and it worked out really, really well to have those incomes drop down because now we don't know those capital gains. So, so that's one of the big things to start watching for. And the reason we look at it now is because it's so easy to see because we can see what our capital gains were for the year before. So um, if you're finding that and it's jumping over, talk with your financial professional about that stuff because you might want to shift how some of your assets are taxed and move some money around from one place to another uh, to help save you some bucks uh, from a health insurance standpoint. 715-845-2155, the number to call. We have a few minutes left if you want to get a hold of Merle. You know, we've talked in the past about people who like to not only invest in in companies that are based here in America and make their products here in America, but also state-based companies and, and, and keeping your investment dollars in the state of Wisconsin. And there are any number of good companies uh, available for Wisconsin investments. Are any of them standing out in your mind? Have you been following them uh, uh, that are doing well at this point that maybe folks need to, to, to take a look at at least and, and maybe make a part of their portfolio? Well, I, I, I like looking at companies that are just high-quality companies. Um, Kohl's, which, of course, uh, was you know, based on Wisconsin for a long time, um, has been in play because it looks like... Story I today. I, I just Michael. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you the details of the story because I just had yeah. it on the news a little while ago. Um, Kohl's, based in Menominee Falls, um, there are two hedge funds in New York that want to buy Kohl's. But the, the uh, people that run Kohl's said the offers weren't good enough. And uh, they are going to uh, turn them down. And they are setting up a poison pill in the company, apparently, to keep uh, them from being uh, taken over by these hedge, hedge funds uh, in, a, in a hostile takeover. So Kohl's is going to hold out for, for they think the shares should be higher than the offers they're getting. Well, what's interesting about this is Kohl's, over the course of the last uh, 18 months, there's a number of people who are, you know, hedge funds and managers have been buying a lot of shares instead of Kohl's. 
Um, and eventually, these guys are going to end up buying a number of shares. It doesn't matter what the management says. Um, and then when they're looking at the numbers and what Kohl's is doing, they feel as though that it should be um, doing a lot more as far as uh, business goes and being able to drive that stock price up. And so they're of the opinion that the management of Kohl's isn't doing stuff the way they should be doing it. So so we'll see how that argument plays out from one place to another, but that's been the big thing inside of Kohl's over the course of the last number of months. Um, there's been rumor and speculation that somebody was going to buy Kohl's. I mean, so there's all this stuff is popping out with Kohl's, but that's one of the biggest things. So their belief in here is that there should have, uh, you know, be a lot more value as far as the stock goes in Kohl's, so the venture capitalists would like to buy it, fix it, then resell it or break it up in different pieces, then resell it for a higher value and profit. So we'll see how that plays out. Now, I don't know if Kohl's is a recommendation to buy or sell, and I'm not going to do that, um, but um, I think it's something to take a look at. So here's a local company. We know the product. Um, I know my uh, it's my, my wife's go-to place. I don't know how much the Kohl's card has on it or how bad <laughs> it gets used, and I'm afraid to look. Um, but uh, it's the go-to place. I mean, a lot of people like going there. And for God's sakes, we see all the ladies in our uh, you know social circles. They all talk about what their Kohl's coupon is and you know, their discount that they have for going to Kohl's. Problem I've so, got now with Kohl's is that uh, all of the men's clothing in there, almost all of it now, is not aimed at people like me. It's aimed at uh, a younger clientele that likes the skinny jeans and likes the tight clothes and likes all of that stuff. And and that's not me. So I, I used to do a lot of my clothing shopping at Kohl's, but I've got to find other options now because uh, they're they've decided that I don't probably I don't spend enough in order to make uh, it worthwhile for them to stock what I want to buy. Uh, Tom, I shop at this new store you may want to try. It's called Old Fat Guys. Is that is that right? Well, at least they're honest. In, at least they're honest in the title of the company. <laughs> I was thought the, the big and they used to call it what big and wide stores or big and uh, tall and wide or, or something. Uh, and uh, I would have had you know people when they want when they went into shopping a place like that they wore a disguise or looked both ways before they went in to see if anybody they knew saw them going into the place. Um, who knows? Um, I know the, the, the big and tall shop I go to is, is you go into the place and it's like you're going into a fashion mall. You know, it's got it so it smells nice. It's got cool music. So I think they're doing stuff right. Um, uh, you know, not, uh, you know, not with it, you know, you get this stuff, you're just talking about, you know, they, they title it well. It should be, you know, you're, you're, uh, you need a diet and we're going to cover your can cause it's cold outside, you know, store. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, we're out of time for today. If folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that? All right, my friend. Uh, Monday morning, we'll be in uh, our office, 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street in Wausau. We welcome you to stop on in, have a cup of coffee, kick the tires, say hello and hi. Um, you can uh, give us a call locally, 715-849-3600, toll-free outside of the Wausau area, 866-355-5100, or you can find us online at kelchinassociates.com. So your ice fishing contest today up there, do you have a shack, or are you going to be out with a bucket uh, sitting in the oh, elements? No, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll have multiple shacks and heat and all that kind of stuff. All right, well, good, so, good. You'll yeah, survive then, and, and you'll be around on Monday then. Absolutely, my friend. <laughs> all right, talk to you later. Talk to you soon. That's Merle Kelch, Associates here in Wausau. We've got the news on the way. The polka shows are coming up as well. Badger basketball today. The Badgers and Penn State pregame show here at 4 o'clock. ADHD. It's the child who can't pay attention or sit still in school, right? The answer may be yes. Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD, can be complicated and it can last a lifetime. Living with a condition can sometimes be a challenge. 
It may take years to accept a formal diagnosis, and it's not always easy to find the right treatment plan. Did you know that up to 75% of children